Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, and you're watching a new show. It is the CFO Game Plan, where we talk about accounting and finance topics that really impact the strategy of your business. And today, we're going to talk about cash flow, and we're going to really talk about four things that could make your cash flow better. So you definitely want to stay tuned and check out today's episode. So we're going to talk about this episode about cash flow, but I'm not going to do it by myself. I am going to have the amazing Lola Turner join me for the conversation. Lola, how are you? Hello, today? hello. I'm doing excellent. How are you today? I am wonderful. Wonderful. I mean, right now I'm in the, you know, as we're filming this, I'm in the planning stages for a speaking engagement in Las Vegas that I have coming up. So I'm like, on a whole nother level of energy today. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for you. I think this is really big. The Engage Conference is going to be amazing. There's going to be so many great finance and accounting professionals and just business leaders and business owners. So I I'm excited for you. And please tell us uh, what you will be talking about at this uh, Engage Conference. Yes, we are going to be talking about, you know, from the CFO's perspective of just being able to manage the people and the process, and how do you optimize that? Because every business is trying to figure out how do I really maximize what I have? You know, you have the great resignation. I mean, mm. you have mental health, which is becoming a, a bigger topic. And then yeah. you also have, you know, automation. And I mean, you just have the, the very real human factors to running a business. Because Running a business isn't just a mathematical formula. I mean, you have the emotions, the concerns, and the re reality of dealing with people, processes, technology, and trying to combine it all. And so we're going to talk a lot about that topic because that's something that CFOs are trying to figure out um, while being good business stewards and also being able to be just good people. <laughs> Right, exactly. No, I, I think what you and, and Chris Ortega is going to be co-hosting with you. So excited to uh, tune in to listen. Now, if you are listening to this, obviously, by the time you, this airs, it's probably going to be after the conference. So we'll be sure to share the, uh, the, the, the session that you and Chris put together. But I'm super excited for you. Um, this is held and sponsored by it's held by the AICPA, correct? Yes, this is held by the AICPA. And one of the things that we're also, uh, we are debuting is we are mm. testing a something new that we tested at a conference I was at in London um, a couple of weeks ago is actually filming from the conference. Like, you know, one of the things that I tell people is like, think about like, if you've watched, you know, American college sports, or even if you've watched international you know, football or like the World Cup. And a lot of these sporting events, they typically have like a, a, a you know, a room or a said group of people that are doing commentary on the event. They're calling mm -hmm. out things that, you know, stood out to them. And one of the, the ideas that I had is bringing that concept to, you know, some of the major accounting conferences and the major events. And so we're actually going to be 
in a studio setup at the conference, we are going to nice. be debuting that concept um, at Ooh. this conference. And the plan is, well, my hope, my aspiration is, is to do this for more conferences because I think there's so many great things that happen at these conferences that mm -hmm. people aren't physically there. There's a lot of stuff that you miss out on if you're exactly. not there at the conference. And oftentimes, you know, the people who were there, they have the memory, they can talk about it. But I think it's finding a better way to share that because, you know, here in America, I think about like college game day. When college game day happens in, you know, college football, like when you're watching the pregame show or maybe something that more people are familiar with is like when it comes down to the Super Bowl for the NFL, like that entire day before the big game, there's all these conversations, these commentary. And of course, you know, as Trevor Noah said, you know, you start finding out about like the person, the people's childhood. There's all these things that they talk about. But it's all to build that excitement to help people feel the excitement of the event. And I think yep. that we can definitely do that for accounting and finance conferences. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you. I think it'll be great. Um, and we're looking forward to sharing the highlights from that session. So, all right. Absolutely. So let's want to jump in and talk about what today's topic yes. is. So for excited. today's topic is really about cash flow because, you know, and before we jump into the details of, hey, here are the four things that you can do better. I mean, let's really talk about cash flow, you know, just what is cash flow? Um, and we'll start there. So I'll, I'll get your thoughts on that. When you think about cash flow, how do you think about it and explain it in simple terms? I think if I was to explain it in simple terms, I would just say it's how the money flows in and out of your business. Like if you just think about a stream, like upstream, downstream, right? How what's coming in um, as far as money goes and what's coming out as far as money goes. If you think about it that way, um, I think it definitely makes it easier because I think sometimes it's so easy to just make it so complex, like cash flow models and all these other things. But essentially, as a business owner, it just comes down to how does money flow in and how does money flow out of your business? That's how I would define it. You know, I, I can't simplify it any more than that. <laughs> I mean, and that I mean, because that's that is exactly how I explain it to other people. I mean, it's just yeah. really the flow and, you know, the in and out flow. Um, now, one of the other things to think about um, looks like we're having a little bit of technical difficulty on Lola's side. So we'll bring her back in. Now, one of the things that I also think about is when it comes down to um, cash flow is why is it important? Because a lot of business owners are, you know, they hear the term cash flow and they don't really grasp like why it's important or why it matters. And so one of the things that I like to tell business owners is when it comes down to cash flow, I mean, the reason why it matters is because cash is how your business, you know, stays active. It's how your business stays alive. I mean, if you run out of cash, then you can probably find yourself in a pretty bad situation if you run out of cash. Now, what people don't often think about is, you know what, how do I start to get a, a view of what's going on with my cash before I run out? And that's where cash flow comes in because what cash flow does is 
it gives you a chance to view it before you actually run out of cash. And so if you're really looking at how the cash is flowing, you can actually start to see problems before they happen. I mean, one of the things that I think about is like in, in the neighborhood where where we live, um, there was a pond in the neighborhood where we lived and it used to be filled with water. And, you know, one day we kind of walked by and the pond was pretty much just it was almost empty. And I was like, OK, what happened here? And it wasn't until I was on, a, on another walk where I was walking a little further up the stream where I can see like, oh, they started doing construction upstream. And because they with where they were dumping the dirt, what happened is no new water was flowing into to go to the pond. So eventually downstream, it was just a simple matter of time that eventually all the water had stopped flowing into the pond. So eventually this thing is going to completely dry up. And that's what kind of cash flow does for your business is it allows you to kind of look to see, OK, all right, how is cash moving in and out of my business? And if I can follow that stream, I can almost catch a cash problem before it comes too late. Because anyone who's ever run into a cash crunch, what they end up finding themselves having to do is get ugly money loans, meaning like the loan, the interest rates are really high or they right. end up having to make some bad decisions like, you know, whether they give a customer a discount, a, a bigger discount if they pay earlier or there may be some bigger projects that your business could take on that just require a little bit of upfront investment. But because you don't have the excess cash to do it, you may have to say no to some deals that could be very profitable for you. So that's why I say cash flow is very, very important to understand it um, because you can catch issues and you can also set yourself up for more success and better opportunities down the road. Yeah, and I think I think cash flow is you can really dissect this multiple ways. There's just so many um, ways to look at it. So many things that you can do. There is like you mentioned, there's signal signs, right, that you see when you start to know that you have a cash flow issue. So today, really, the focus is just going to be four simple things that we think and we've seen from experience with working with our clients personally with the Fortune 500 companies we've worked for that can really just change the way that you do things. I think sometimes things are made more complex than they really are. So this is really just to kind of help provide the guidance that you need to make the decisions that are best for your business. So you want to go ahead and jump in? Yeah. And I'll say this last thing before I mention the first one is the four things that we mentioned, they're going to seem very, very simple. But one of the things that I can say is from working with, you know, multi-billion dollar companies like you know some companies that are doing you know over a hundred billion in in revenue at, at times of working with those companies these simple steps were the things that really moved the ball and were huge game changers so the first one that i would say that you should do is to actually make a list of the cash in and the cash out things like really looking at okay all right what are the things that bring cash in? Mm -hmm. What are the things that take cash out of the business? Right. Anything so, you want to say on that one? Yeah, so just, I mean, if we just think about it, right? So like cash in, right? 
hey, how do you, who pays you? How do you get paid? Like the invoices, the the loans, whatever it is. How are you, how are you bringing money into your business? And then cash out would be basically your expenses. So really coming and just making a list of that. And I, as someone who has gone through the exercise of cash flow management, it seems so simple, but it has such massive impacts when you really just make a list. And I think it, it's the same thing about when people talk about, hey, make a grocery list before you go to the grocery store so you don't just go all over the place and buy all things that you don't need. It's the same thing. Once you put it down on paper, it can give you guidance and you know how to make the decisions that you need to make. But um, do you want to tackle cash out first or do you want to tackle cash in? No, so let's start with cash out because I do think okay. that that one, it becomes a, a very, probably one that, that, that people are more familiar with. So oh, let's yeah. start with cash yeah. out. So when it comes down to cash out, I mean, that's where you're thinking for the most part, it's going to be, what is the business spending money on? Now, exactly. the reason why I say you want to look at it slightly different because there may be some expenses that show up in your financial statement that are non-cash related expenses like mm -hmm. depreciation um, and then whether there are some accruals that are done and stuff like that. Like those things are expenses that are hitting your P&L, but mm -hmm. they're not necessarily, you know, cash related. So you right. really want to look at that list. Okay, all right. What are the things that are taking cash out? You got payroll, you got business expenses, you know, there's fees, there's software. And when you really get that list, what you want to start asking yourself is, you know, some very tough questions of what types of cash out activity is actually essential? Because yeah. not everything is essential. I would, I would, I would do this simple exercise. I would break it into four categories. So if you look at what you're spending on a monthly basis or quarterly, however you're reviewing your financials, separate it into four categories. So like Terrell said, what's essential? These are things that you can't run your business without, right? So for example, if you have a restaurant, the rent that you pay for the building, you cannot run your restaurant if there's no place for you to sell your food, right? Unless you're doing a food truck, even then, right? So essentials are what are the expenses that you need to actively run your business on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's using the Square software, if there's a software used to process transactions, whatever it is, those are considered essential expenses. Um, and then I would say you have what I would consider the cash generators. So this is money that you are spending to basically create money. So what are some examples of that, Terrell? I think like, you know, people that you hire yeah, so, or marketing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would think about it, um, you know, when it comes down to your people costs, like you have some people that are directly related to creating revenue like you know your mm -hmm. sales team or let's say if you're a law firm um you know it be your attorney your paralegal like those are people that their job is to serve the client which generates revenue for the firm and then you also have things that let's say if you're a tech company you know the soft the the expenses to manage the you know the servers like those mm -hmm. servers are there to provide the product to the customer like those are things that are helping you generate more revenue so those are that is a very very important category for you to look at 
Right. And I think you could, we could actually do maybe a whole nother episode on people cost actually, because one of the things that I know you've built for some of our clients is what is the employee that you're hiring? How much money are they actually bringing into the business? Because I think that really helps you understand. And that's kind of a second, I would say a second or third level deep dive into your expenses. But I think people cost is not just saying, okay, salesperson is, you know, bringing me, this is their salary you know, I'm assuming they're generating revenue, but really being able to go back and tie, right? How much revenue has this person brought in or how much revenue is this contractor that I'm using? How much money are they actually bringing into my business? And I think that is kind of like next level. So we won't dive into yeah. it, but I thought I'd bring that up. So, man, you're giving out like all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I, I do think I do think to your point. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll do a separate episode on that because one of the things we created is an ROI calculator for businesses. And I think the way that they get into using it is, hey, if I want to hire X number of administrative people, well, mm -hmm. how many revenue generating, you know, how much revenue generating headcount do I need for this to financially make sense? And that tool that we created for a lot of businesses like when we walk them through it, they see it and they're just like, oh, my gosh, like this makes it, it so simple. Yeah. Right. It and, changes and I think it the just game. and I think it just goes back to that point, like I said, of some of your some of the money that you're spending in your business is essential to operating the business. Some okay. of it is essential to generating cash flow. And then I think some of it also falls into this nice to have category. So you want to talk about that one? Yep. Nice to have is, is, is what I would say, like kind of the bells and whistles, I guess, if you want to call it that. So these are things in your business where it makes your business and helps your business run more efficiently, but it's not necessarily required. So for example, like Calendly for us is a good example. It saved us a ton of time, right? Um, Calendly or even just like any sort of scheduling software where it, it makes your life a little bit easier, but it's not necessarily mandatory to help you run your business. So I would say that category is a nice to have. Um, and then the last one, Terrell, this is kind of the other category. So what goes in here? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think when, you know, this one is where it gets a little interesting when it comes down to, you know, this other category, because some of the times this could be kind of that, you know, some people would say the nice to have and the other kind of combine and mm -hmm. are kind of like one, you know, one group together. But I, I do think that, you know, the way that I would tell people is kind of the one of the ways of looking at like the, the nice to haves would be, hey, there are things that could that could help us be more efficient, but they're not essential to operating the business. And then what falls into the other are truly okay. like those things above and beyond to where they're not going to make us the most efficient, but mm -hmm. Hey, there are things that could, you know, maybe it adds to the morale and stuff like, like, for example, companies that say, Hey, we want to have a, a gym on site for our employees. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not an essential to the business and it is not something that adds to the productivity of your you know, directly to the productivity of all your employees, because only a small amount of your employees are actually going to use that gym facility. But it is something that could help benefit and lift the morale and stuff like that. So I do think there are some of those. And then also, 
I think, you know, let's say, you know, if you're having a, you know, an, an office party and stuff like that, like, you know, you could go very basic on your office party to where, hey, we have it actually in the office. <laughs> or, what? you know, you can do the other version. Um, what are these suggestions? The I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with these suggestions. <laughs> what? Basic and I office say, party? Who does that? If the, <laughs> if the money allows for it, you can go a little more upscale to where it's like, hey, instead of us, you know, doing it in the office, maybe we rent a, a restaurant or maybe we rent an event space. And like I said, depending on where the business's financials are, Maybe we go even a level above. Maybe we rent a, a rent out a boat or something like that to where I do think there are things that, you know, could express the company's appreciation to the people, but they're not direct. Like if you don't do them, it's not like, oh, my gosh, the company's going to fall apart because we didn't do you know, we didn't rent a helicopter for, you know, the Christmas party or the holiday party or something like that isn't going to ruin the business. So that's what those are the type of things I would put into the other category. Yeah, we have a different definition of what goes into the other category completely. Um, <laughs> so I think the, I mean, I think the the expenses that boost employee morale are a very big part. I think those would actually be in maybe the nice to have category versus the other because, like the gym, for example, like happier, the idea is happier employees are typically the ones like people that exercise and work out, healthier employees. You know, you have less costs that they're spending on healthcare, which means that, hey, they're going to be in the office more. They can, they, they're better and more efficient in doing their job. You could technically argue that. But I do think like some of the others that I would mention, especially depending on the size of your business, would be things that you signed up. And this is something that I, I typically have told people is if you signed up for something, I guess, small to mid, mid-sized businesses, I think sometimes there's almost this, and I've, I've seen it in big companies too. You have like these initiatives where it's like, okay, this is the focus of the day. Like everything is going through Salesforce. Everything gets processed through this, this new shiny tool today. And then six months later, it gets forgotten about. And then it's like, oh, well, but we're still paying for this, right? So I think the others category would, for me, would be some of the low hanging fruit where you can make changes quickly. Um, and there are things that you may have may have been expenses that you were putting out that were focused on, you know, a certain strategy or direction in your business that is no longer where your company is heading. Like, for example, if you said, hey, we went ahead and we're paying for everybody's biking to work where we're encouraging like this healthy initiative and we're going to I don't know, let's see. We have like a biking station, something, I don't know, where we're paying this fees or whatever, like, and it's no longer the strategy or it's not getting as much traction as it used to, then it may be time to evaluate and change that. So I think for me, the others category would be things that we may have spent money on initially to set up, we're still paying for that were part of the company's kind of old strategy or strategy that they were taking um, that is no longer where they're headed. And I, and I think I've seen this where oftentimes like the bigger the company gets, the less likely they are to kind of let go and change pace. Like they'll make decisions and move on to something else, but the repercussions and the expenses related to kind of that past decision oftentimes don't get like, people don't go back and evaluate it. Like, Oh crap. Like we were spending, you know, $50,000 on this monthly. Like we're no longer doing this probably shouldn't be paying for this. So I think it's, it's good to constantly reevaluate that others category 
Um, but for me, that's kind of what I would say when I think about what goes into that other slash cash flow without, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, I think it is an interesting point that you brought up because I think that, that, it, that there isn't a straightforward way to look at it. I mean, yeah, I, you have your perspective on it. Now, I would say like, parties. <laughs> from from talking to, you know, from talking to different companies, I do think like, you know, since mental health and employee wellness and yeah. like with the great resignation, a lot of companies are having to consider that now. And where I do think that, you know, it's becoming more essential to That's true. do things yeah. to take care of the morale of your people, where yeah. I think the difference is, is the level in which you do it. Because I agree with you. I mean, I think healthier employees or I guess employees who tend to be more health conscious, um, there are some studies that have, you know, shown or said that it lowers the cost of insurance for the employer. Mm -hmm, so I, mm -hmm. I get that. What I'm saying is, you know, there are a couple of ways that you can look at strategically supporting that. Whereas maybe what the company does is we do a reimbursement program for the, you know, That's your true. health club membership, or we can go the route of, Hey, we offer a health club in, you know, in house. And I think the cost structure of having a, a physical health club in your facility becomes mm -hmm. a lot more expensive at times than doing a reimbursement program. And yeah. then also I do think, you know, one of the dynamics that we really have to consider is, you know, COVID-19 has really changed the perspective of people coming in office. So Ooh. if you've transitioned to a massive hybrid of most of the a lot of your people are not working in the office then yeah. that office having the gym in the office yeah. may not necessarily be the best strategy because maybe people want to work out at their and their they want to work out in a place of their choice so yeah. doing some type of reimbursement may cost less to the business but still mm. allow you to you know to be able to do something to help promote the health and support you know, your employees and their, your team's initiative to think about their health more. That's a really good point. And I think really what I would say, so we've talked about like the four categories, right? So the others, the nice to have, the essential and the cash generators. I would say, I think really making changes to the essential category requires like an evaluation of your strategy you mentioned like some really good points, like the going back to the office. If we are in a situation where we have a hybrid situation or we've gone completely remote, like I think I'm trying to remember the name of the company that's now complete. I think it's Zillow that's completely remote where all of their employees are working from home. It's, do you really need to still pay for that lease, for that building space, for the, um, you know, some of the things. And I think you make a really good point. It's probably cheaper because not everybody's going to use the gym. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to or work for companies where you probably have maybe 5% or less, probably like 2% of people actually use the gym on the facility. So it probably will cost you less money to reimburse people that actively work out or have a gym membership than it would to have a setup and have all that fixed cost hanging around. So that's a really good point. And I think, 
you know, one of the things that I saw, um, I saw this meme on or this this post on Instagram um, where it, this guy shared, a, it was like a Twitter post. And he said, you know, his manager started last week and basically he said he doesn't believe in the work remote policy. And, you know, he wants everyone to be in the office on Monday, effective Monday. And the guy was like, I've never seen so many resignations in my life. Basically, like, you know, the priorities, like you said, have shifted, Right. And as a company, when you're thinking about your strategy, especially when it comes to ma managing your cash flow, like Terrell said, I think I think one of the points that you made, Terrell, that I really thought was really good is just with the intentional focus on like mental health and the focus on, you know, what is important to your employees and what makes you most effective as a business um, and COVID-19 changing kind of what people prioritize is important. I think it definitely requires a reevaluation of your strategy to really determine what really falls into that essential bucket. And it might not be what you used to consider to be essential. Um, that That's definitely changed with where we are currently. So I, I agree. I think it's something that it varies and it, it can vary based on how you run your business. So it, it's important to define that and understand that when you're kind of defining these three buckets of what your cash outflow looks like. Absolutely. I, I totally think that. I mean, and, and we'll we'll we're going to have to circle back to, you know, some of the cash out essentials after mm -hmm. we talk about cash in. Um, okay. So um, because I, I do think as we talk about cash in, I, I'll kind of explain why we'll need to circle back to some things. But mm -hmm. I think the you know, the third point that we want to talk about, because I mean, we talked about create the list of what's cash in, what's cash out. We just yep. went into, hey, take a deeper look at the cash out. Now, mm -hmm. let's take a deeper look at the cash in. Now, mm. when it comes down to the cash in, this is not just looking at, hey, we get cash from, we sell our product, we get cash from our customers. Because yeah. what most businesses don't realize is that is not the only way that you have cash coming into your business. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is where I think, when you start to really understand what are all the sources of cash, I think that's where you can do a better job of really managing your cash flow. And so let's talk about, you know, what are some of the, the you know, the sources of cash coming into a business that you can think about? Um, I think like loans, right? Loans, uh, financing. One of the things that I actually thought about when you were talking was, um, the invoices are one piece, but sometimes depending on how quickly you need cash, you might factor your receivables, which is basically means sell your sell the invoices that are outstanding to someone else at a discounted price. I mean, that's just, a, I guess, an easy way to explain it. Um, and so those are some of the things that I would think about. And I think sometimes when depending on the size of your company, the whole cash inflow thing is almost under underestimated. You know, you have Fortune 500 companies that have whole entire organizations, teams of hundreds of people that are just focused on cash inflow. Um, you have teams that manage making sure we get our invoices paid on time. You have teams that manage making sure like our loans are current, like all of those things I think require kind of a, uh, it's, you know, focus and, and management. But so, right off the bat, those are some of the things I can think about. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And, you know, and I think that those are, are, are very common ones. And I think some less common ones that people 
are experiencing, especially like as we talked about, when you look at your essentials about should you still keep the office space, mm -hmm. you know, the office lease, where oh. some companies, what they're navigating now is all of that office furniture that they had, they're selling that off. Or mm -hmm. they found a, another company that wants to use the office space. So now they're leasing all this mm. furniture that they had to furnish the office. They're leasing mm -hmm. it to a, another company that is now using it in their office space. So I do think you have some non-common things where you may sell stuff that you have in the business or yeah. maybe like I was uh, listening to a conversation earlier today where one company, what they did is they had these recurring or they had these the, a customer list of people who did business with them of one-off transactions. They wanted to switch to more of a recurring model. So what they mm -hmm. did is they sold that list of customers who usually do like one-off purchases. They sold that customer list to other companies that wanted to focus on transactional deals. So it was mm. a way for them to get, you know, revenue, you know, them to get cash in their business by selling off something that isn't part of their normal course of business. But mm. you do have the ability to look at options like that. And and I do think um, you, you mentioned about, you know, kind of the terms on your invoice, like most people don't think about it this way. But yeah. one way that you are kind of balancing or you do get somewhat of a cash in perspective. Um, and it's a little bit more on cash timing is, you know, your payment terms with your vendors. I mean, mm. because let's say if you buy something from a vendor and a vendor gives you 30 days to pay in in a, in theory, you're using their cash to fund yeah. your operations. And let's yep. say if they give you 35 days or let's say if they give you 45 days, you know what they're doing is they're allowing you to use their cash to do what you need to do to try to resell that. And if you can resell that and collect from your customer within that 45 day period, you're in theory using their cash to generate to more finance. cash for your business. Right. right. No, that's, that's really good. That would be called a cash generator, essential <laughs> in a cash generator. <laughs> um, but no, that's actually a really good point. I think, I don't think people think about it that way. And actually when you were talking, one of the things that I thought about, that's an area where people don't think about as well. And it goes back to like the change in how we're like companies are structuring their work policies um, is the tax incentives that come from being occupying certain buildings or like having a certain number of people working in a certain building or, you know, the incentives that may come from, hey, if you keep your company in this city, we will, you know, give you certain tax incentives that you wouldn't get somewhere else. So that's another way to kind of conserve. You're not getting cash directly coming in, but like Terrell said, I think you're having you have more cash to manage your business in those situations um, where there are certain tax incentives. It's an unconventional one, um, not one that a lot of people think about, but that's actually something I thought about where you have incentives that you have for um, having a certain type of business or you have incentives for having a certain type of employee, you know, certain number of employees based in a certain location. So those are other things that larger companies yeah. also do take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, and that's something that, you know, has become an even bigger topic. I mean, even when you look at, you know, 2020 or 2019, 2020, and still mm -hmm. now like the, you know, the, the employee retention credits. 
to where that has been a huge cash inflow for businesses to where they can get a refundable credit from, you know, from the government for, you know, retaining their employees or the employees that they retain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think also, you know, something has become really big in the past couple of years are grant programs. I mean, there are more governmental and private institutions that are issuing grants to businesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, because there are so many like economic development centers that are trying to invest and trying to really, I guess you say, promote entrepreneurship and promote, you know, business growth, that there are more grant programs than ever before, or, you know, maybe numerically, there may not be more grant programs than before, but they're they're more That's publicized. The funding. Right. <laughs> yes. And the funding is a lot more funding available. And I think, you know, these guys aren't just, I mean, maybe some are, they aren't just doing this from the goodness of their heart. The idea is if they put funding into your business, then you'll stay, right? You, you'll you thrive and your business will grow in their city or in their county or whatever the grant funding is available. And hey, when you stay there and you grow, you will hire people in that city and it'll help the economy in that area. So definitely there are a lot of ways where you can generate um, revenue, not revenue, you can generate income or inflow of cash into your business. So, you know, I would say, I think that's this conversation has actually also encouraged me to, you know, look and say, hey, other than the conventional ways where we make money in our business, what are other ways we can generate um, generate revenue or just generate cash inflow that we may not be doing today? And that definitely helps improve your cash inflow. Yeah. And, and, and I definitely think, like I said, that's why it ties back to some of your cash, your, you know, your essential cash out activity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you go the route of a loan, at some mm-hmm. point, you're going to have to pay those loans back. So, right. yes, the initial loan will give you cash in your business, but you also want to pay attention to what are the terms of that loan? Like, you know, am I going to be required? Like, usually if you do really short-term working capital kind of loans, you know, you may be required to make weekly repayments to that loan, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. one of the big things that a lot of people really took advantage of are like, you know, the, the the federal government EIDL loans where mm-hmm. the terms are a lot more favorable, where you don't have to start paying it back for like a year. So which right. means you can get cash in your business, mm-hmm. put it to work during that year and hopefully mm-hmm. grow your business big enough in that in that year that the excess additional cash flow that you're getting because of the growth, you can now easily pay that loan back. And so, yeah, I think. So I think you have to, when you're looking at your expenses, one of the thing, one of the cat or one of the items you're going to see is if you have loans is your interest expense. And mm-hmm. part of you have to ask yourself, how are we using that credit? And, you know, do we need to pay that loan off? Because I will say is if the loan isn't really helping you grow your business, there mm-hmm. may be some other things you want to look at in your strategy because, if this loan isn't going to help you create incremental cash flow, then mm-hmm. when it's time to pay that loan back, you got to look down the line and say, hey, are we going to have more money going out of our business than what's coming in upstream? 
Yeah. And I think another point, we always talk about this, you borrow to grow, not borrow to sustain. Like, you know, in certain situations, you may need to borrow to sustain your business. I mean, COVID was a tough time for a lot of businesses, but ideally you want to put yourself in a position where you're borrowing money to grow your business. Like, you know, the the point that you made was a really good one is the EIDL loans, for example, were a good one, right? You have a year to pay. You can take that money, put it into your business, turn, like use it to grow and create more revenue. So essentially it's helping you. It's a loan that is helping you grow the business. Um, And I think when it just comes to managing the inflow and the outflow of your business, one of the things that you have to think about overall, not just when it comes to loans, is are you properly aligning and managing the outflow and the inflow? And by that, I mean, like, for example, if I use the example of the loans, right, the timing of when that money is coming out of the money that you have coming into your business and the loan and the interest that you have to pay back, does that give you enough of a buffer to not only generate um, the money that you need to pay back (laughs) the loan, but also does it help you create more more income or more cash inflow for your business? I think the other example is the one that you brought up with the vendors, right? So if you are, you know, you're, you're, let's say you're a restaurant and you have, maybe that's not a good one, but let's say you have, you know, 30 day, 35 day terms with your, with your vendor, right? And are you setting up your cash outflow and inflow in a way that allows them to where the, the the supply that you're using, you're able to turn around, sell that to your customers, collect your money to where you're not in a position where you're having to pull from your reserves in your business to pay the vendors, but you're really using the revenue that you're generating to basically go back and pay that money into basically to pay your vendors or to pay that money off. So I think that's something important to think about is when you navigate those situations is when you're taking money in, are you covering, is that money enough to not only help cover whatever you need to cover, but also to pay it back? So that was one point I wanted to bring up. Yeah. And and I do think, you know, to to give it an example that I think is becoming more and more of a real thing that Mm -hmm. a lot of businesses have to think through is as we're using third party, you know, providers or third party point of sale systems. I mean, one of the things that you also have to, to factor in is not only just, hey, what are your sources, but what's the timing of those sources? Yeah. Because even if let's say, if you know, you know, we're going to, I'm going to walk through a couple examples. Let's say one example, you're a restaurant and let's say you're using like a DoorDash or you're use, deciding whether we use a Visa, MasterCard or American Express. One of the things that I know from working with a couple of restaurants is that DoorDash sales, they make a deposit once a week, whereas that deposit is going to come in on Friday. So the mm. sales that you made on Monday through Thursday, you yeah. won't see that cash until Friday. And you got to think about that timing. Like if you're using American Express, American Express may not hand over the cash that they collected. Like people come into the store, people use their American Express card to pay. But American Express may not deposit that cash in your bank account immediately. It may take a couple of days where what I have seen is using Visa and MasterCard, those tend to happen kind of next day or within the next two to three days, whereas is that American why people, Express may um, be longer. 
Is that why people don't, uh, a lot of places don't accept American Express? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I, that, <laughs> but that is why some places start to look at that and they start right. to say, hey, customers either have to pay by ACH, which mm -hmm. means they're going to get the money immediately. Or right. they say, hey, you can pay by debit card. Or they say, hey, if you pay by credit card, hey, you know, you may get a higher price or exactly. there may be a higher fee. And some of them may say, hey, we just don't accept American Express because yeah. American Express, I mean, if you're in a business that has a, a where you need your cash to turn over quickly, you may need to look and say, hey, maybe we don't take certain types of payments. And, and mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it's one of those things that I encourage if you're an accountant or, you know, you're, you're doing some type of advisory with your clients is that's something to look at and to ask yourself like hey what are the actual you know cash day you know the the turnover on cash by source and you really look and say hey when people if their customers are paying by credit card how long does it take for your that your client to actually get the cash because that's something important to look at is making sure that timing makes sense for the business because you know, some of the things that I found with, you know, some, some, you know, some businesses is they'll make an agreement. Let's say they take out a loan and they agree to make weekly payments on that loan. And let's say the loan payment comes out on Wednesday, but they're making a lot of sales through a third party app and they don't get the cash until Friday. Well, what that means is they're going to have to build up some type of cash buffer because that's a two-day gap that they're going to have to float cash for the business. And they got to be prepared for something like that. So right. I do think, like I said, your cash in and the cash, the timing around the cash in is important for you to think about. No, agreed. I think that's important. And I, it reminds me of like when I was, when we were in Germany and I remember getting so frustrated because I was so hungry and I, we had like this festival and I remember being like, none of the, none of the small businesses accepted anything other than cash. Um, and I remember even like some of the local shops in downtown, um, in downtown Duisburg, they were like, we don't accept foreign cards. It has to be a card for a company based in Germany. And I think a lot of times people don't think about that uh, from the consumer standpoint. So the next time, you know, a business owner tells you they don't accept, you know, cards, they only take cash or they tell you, hey, we don't take a certain number of a certain type of card. That's why, because it does cost the business a lot of money sometimes. And like you said, if there's a lag between when the deposit comes in and when the transaction actually happened, that could be for a lot of business owners, a difference between making payroll and, you know, being able to cover their business expenses. So it definitely helps um, provide context to that. Absolutely. And so, you know, we've covered the, you know, three, three of the four points. The first one was to make a list of your cash in, your cash out activity. Then next is do a deep dive on your cash out, like identify what is essential, was, you know, revenue generating, what's nice to have and what falls into the other. The third thing was mm -hmm. to really look at your cash in and to analyze that and to ask yourself, hey, what are the sources that we're getting cash in? And then the fourth and final thing that you should really, really, really pay attention to, because I think this is probably <laughs> the most important one, is yeah. to repeat one through three. 
because yes. your business will change over time and exactly. your business may change from month to month but you want to have a process where you're going through steps one through three and you need to repeat that whether that's every month every quarter you need to look at this on a regular basis to make sure that you are staying on top of things for the best interest of the longevity of your business so Thanks for tuning in to the CFO Game Plan today. Until next time, enjoy.